Hello, welcome to Gritty Leaders Club. Today's podcast is called The Leadership Challenge. We'll explain why in a moment. But first, let me welcome Ian. How are you? I'm really good, Ben. Let's dive in. What's got your attention, Ian? Well, a couple of things. Uh, well, one thing that I've been discussing with a couple of people over the last week, which is, and I suppose the headline is, is COVID-19 and hybrid working hijacking our discussions over what's the optimal structure in our businesses to support the delivery of our strategy and i think what we've seen is we can have multiple groups of people working from home at least that's the case for most organizations i mean i work with one as you know who had to furlough 900 people virtually everyone in their business but for vast majority of organizations i work with they can have some people working from home and coming back to work and a lot of the conversations been around a 3-2 split hybrid working and all the rest and i've had a couple of conversations recently with people who are saying i'm not sure we need to go down this route and it reminded me of the quote which is just just because you can doesn't mean you should. We know we can work from home. We know it can have productivity benefits, but what are we missing in terms of culture, creativity, innovation, teamwork, and all those things? So I think it, it has to be a challenge for leaders to say, this isn't an absolute. We don't have to do this just because we can do this. And think about what's best for your culture, what's best for the the execution of your strategy and have a proper conversation about structure and potentially hybrid working in 3-2 splits and so on. Ask the right question. The question isn't, are we going to have hybrid working here? Mm. The right question is, what's optimal for us? What's the optimal way of working for us doing what we do here? What's optimal? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's what's caught my attention. And what about you, Ben? Hey, well, what's caught my attention... Do you know what? I'm not telling you. <laughs> okay. I'm not telling you because I'm going to use this later on as one of my examples. <laughs> You're intriguing me now. Which means we'd better get on to the topic. And our topic is The Leadership Challenge, which yeah. is a book. So, it Ian, tell, tell us tell us about the book. Well, the book is first published in 1987. It's uh, over 30 years old. It's in its sixth edition. Over 2 million copies have been sold. It's a book that actually inspired my whole journey back in about 2000 to, to, to really get under the skin of what leadership is. So I think it's a terrific book. It's a lovely, simple framework, as we'll come on to. And I recommend people go and find it. It is a good book. I like it for that framework. I like it for another reason. It's written by James Cousins and Barry Posner, both professors from Santa Clara University. They carried out a giant piece of research. What they did was they looked into peak leadership experiences. Over 30 years, they've surveyed 3 million people across 70 countries looking for examples of when they had been led well. Mm-hmm. And so doing, they identified 5,000 leaders who had been nominated by their teams as having created peak leadership experience. And then they did a case study on each of those. And in that case study, they found there are many, many leadership practices, but there were five in particular 
that were very common across those 5,000 peak leaders. So I like that this is grounded in some rigorous research. Mm, Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And some of the research is fascinating. Not only the the five areas that we'll come on to, but another thing they asked people was what values, personal traits, characteristics do you look for and admire in your leader? And number one is honesty. Honesty is the one top thing people look for in a leader, always number one. And the second, third and fourth are forward-looking, competent, and they also want an inspiring leader. Yeah, this is how the book starts. And uh, the point they're making is that before we talk about leadership practices, leadership behaviours, a leader has got to have credibility. Mm -hmm. And these are the top four traits that people look for to know that a leader could be credible even before they consider whether or not they're going to to follow. Mm. And the one that I find most refreshing, actually, to to see in the list, because we expect to see honesty, we expect to see competence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Inspiring makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. as well. Forward-looking is the one that doesn't get voiced so often. Mm -hmm. I know as we coach people, as we coach leaders, one of the Mm -hmm. things we're constantly doing is we're getting them to think about six months time or three months time because for the last half hour they've been talking just about today and this week and this quarter you know or the other way around they're way into the future it's like great what's going on in the the team right now but leaders i think they they often forget that one of the simple things they are meant to do is be forward looking yeah Exactly, exactly. And people want that. People want to know that they're thinking about the future and not just about the present. Yeah. Where do we lead people confidently into the future? Exactly, exactly. The other thing I want to say about this book before we dive in was that, as I said earlier, it kind of inspired me. And my way into this book was I was running a program in a big public sector organisation in the UK back in 2000. And we were doing program around their core purpose and, and tied into customer service. And we got to a point where it got stuck, it got stuck in the middle of, of the organization. As, uh-huh. a, as a Finnish, Finnish company I was working with said to me, they described middle management as the, as the permafrost. Um, <laughs> you, you can't get through it. Anyway, it got stuck. And I remember, I remember at a board meeting where the, the chairman said to me, I was supposed to report back on how the program was going. And the chairman said to me, Ian, uh, the program's got a bit stuck. Why is that? And basically, I said, I'll go and find out. And we went out and we spoke to 30 leaders in the business. And we came up with a question, which was, how are you judged as a leader? And this was the big question we were asking people, because we felt that actually it was getting stuck because people weren't taking responsibility and didn't really understand what it meant to to lead to own this program and to lead this program so we asked them how you judge as a leader and it turned out to be a great question because actually we were faced with blank faces we were faced with job descriptions we were faced with kpis we were faced with everything but leadership and we went back to see the the chairman of the board we said 
do you know what? They, they just don't understand what it takes to be a leader in the organization. And I think that's our problem. So he said, well, can you develop a leadership program for 600 people? And that's when we went away and found Kuzas and Posner and suddenly thought, this is a great framework. And it is a great framework. And we used it and we created a program around it and we engaged 600 people around it. And suddenly there was a huge aha, big light bulbs went off. We unblocked, we got through the permafrost and the program was a great success. Both programs were. Great, great story. It is such a universal framework, isn't it? Any level in the organization, any type of, of leadership role, we can use the five practices, we can relate to them. And it sits nicely with, with other leadership and management frameworks that were probably more specific that might be in place. So the five practices that Kuzis and Posner identified were consistently high ranking and common amongst the, the 5,000 leaders they did case studies about are these. Number one, model the way. Mm-hmm. Number two, inspire a shared vision. Number three, challenge the process. Four, enable others to act. And five, encourage the heart. Mm. It's lovely wording, isn't it? I mean, when I first read it, it reminded me of setting values for organizations when they kind of make sense when you just read a couple of words together. You know, values where they're one words, kind of open to interpretation. But I love the wording they've used here. There's quite a lot of emotional words in there. You know, they've got model the way. There is a responsibility in there. Inspire a shared vision. It's not just having a shared vision. Challenge the process. Enable others to act. Encourage the heart. It it Mm -hmm. really sings to me. I love the wording they've used. Yeah, each one an instruction. I used it this way. It's so easy to remember. Five fingers on my hand as well. (laughs) And as you know, I was managing director. I had a train journey into Waterloo each day, at least once a week, but actually many days on the way in, I would just take five minutes and I'd run through these and I'd say to myself, model the way. How am I going to model the way today? Mm. Or how have I modeled the way in the last week? Or Mm. how am I going to model the way this week? And then on to inspire a shared vision. Mm -hmm. When did I last do that? When will I be able to do that today? When will I have an opportunity this week to inspire and so on. Mm. And it was just such a simple check in upon what I should be doing as a leader. And it didn't matter how frantic the business was how busy, what was going on. There was always time Mm. for this five minutes. And that mental check-in just meant that when I got to those moments in the day or in the week, I'd remember and I'd be a better leader in those moments. Mm. One of the things that's great about this is if a leadership team adopted it, we'd have a common model together of what it's like to be a leader, which is fantastic. You know, that real clarity around this is what leadership means here. And then we can look at ourselves and say, so how are we doing on these areas? And some of us will be better at some than others, I've no doubt. But they're very good to sort of look in the mirror and saying, are we doing this? It's a nice exercise to do with a new leadership team early on uh, in their journey as as a team. It, It starts a conversation about leadership. We'll see 
where the different strengths sit within the team. Mm. All right, so shall we crack on? What we thought we'd do is is talk about each of the five practices by each of us selecting a leader, somebody well-known, who we think fits Mm. the practice. And... I don't know who you've picked. You don't know who I've picked. Yeah. Shall, shall we go into model the way? Yeah, mo- model the way. I like something Ralph Waldo Emerson said. What you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. Mm-hmm. I use that quote. It's lovely, isn't it? It's great, isn't it? And of course, all eyes are on the leader. Mm-hmm. Literally mm-hmm. that. All eyes are on the leader. The team is watching, and yeah. what we do is so, so important. I mean, this is the whole authentic leadership debate, right? Do we walk the walk that matches the talk that yeah. we talk? Yeah, completely. So where have you gone with this one? Who's your example, Ian? Well, you see, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Let's start, with, let's start with that, because I could pick one here, and as you're thinking, as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, I've got the one I've chosen, and I'm thinking... But this chap represents so many of the others as well, which I think we're going to find, aren't we? You know, yeah, we're going to find yeah. one we could have put into the other categories. But I started with Gareth Southgate, but I'm not going to go there because we've we've gone we've gone there in previous podcasts, and there's too much sport around at the moment. So Do you know, what? he's he's not made it onto my list. He yeah. he was on one of my long lists, right? But, uh, right. I scratched him. You scratched him. Well, I've scratched he's out, him he's too. out of the squad. Yeah, I've scratched it too. And who's going to open the scoring for me? It's Mahatma Gandhi. Did we say current leaders? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's not alive. In fact, he was assassinated by three bullets to the chest. So, you know, if you look back at Gandhi, and of course he had the famous quote, didn't he? Be the change you want to see in the world, which is beautiful. And to me, that sort of sums up, you know, you've got to be the person who lives your values, who walks the talk. People will take no notice of what you say as a leader. They will look at what you actually do as a leader and they will follow that. And if you look at Gandhi, he he was a lawyer trained in London and then he went to South Africa. He stayed there till he was 45. He was always around civil rights and about freedom for individuals and about fairness of opportunity. He went to India at the age of 45 and became very famous about India's independence from Britain's rule. He was a big instigator in that and civil rights and freedom across the world. So a huge character, a huge personality, very modest in his latter years, would, would wear a sort of a loincloth and, and dress like a poor person to try and empathise with what he was trying to help the world understand. An amazing guy who's changed history. He's a great example of modelling the way. Yeah, nice. You're digging deep, Ian. <laughs> yeah, well, they're not all as deep as that, I can assure you. <laughs> well, I, for this one, for modelling the way, I've picked Jacinda Ardern. Oh, nice, nice. And for me, she literally models the way. I'm not sure that even today I've caught an interview with her on the news or anything, so I it's quite possible that I've not actually heard her speaking. Mm-hmm. And my awareness of her is completely different. It's the actions she's taken. And the the first that I noticed was, I think there was a, 
a gunman, a massacre in Christchurch, I think it was. Mm -hmm. She was quickly on the ground at the scene. And then a few days later, she had announced and was taking through Parliament changes in New Zealand's laws to outlaw guns and announcing the amnesty. Mm -hmm. So she took action. Mm. That's the headline I, I saw. Jacinda announces an amnesty, outlaws guns. And then there's many things similar that she's done. Yeah, I think she's terrific. Great role model. She seems to be a person of the people. So to model the way is practice number one. And this is a nice one for any leader to, to reflect on and get a bit of paper just you know one sheet will do and write down maybe with horizon of the last two years what are the noteworthy things that i have done in line of sight of my team mm. good and bad and see what story that tells mm. very nice no i like it really like it so on to number two inspire a shared vision well you need to go to the first on this one in case you know we're, we're having the same one. So you go first on the second one and I'll go first on the third one. How's that? Yeah, we can do that. Although I did have a backup for this one in case this was where you you nicked my guy. <laughs> because I think he's he's quite a clear candidate for this. And I'm going with, with Elon Musk. Okay, I've got him somewhere else on this list. Yeah, well, as we said, people can slot in in a, mm -hmm. a number of these, can't they? Mm. Elon is interesting as as a leader. I think. I mean, he's he's achieved incredible amounts, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Just incredible amounts. And you read his book, you hear about his organisations, and it doesn't sound like he's an easy person to to work for at all. Yeah. <laughs> but what he does is he inspires a shared vision. Now it's a big vision. We know that. You know, make the human race interplanetary. <laughs> That's about as big as it gets. But it's a shared vision as well. And it's a, a shared vision in a sort of a really ruthless sort of a way. If you want to be an engineer at SpaceX, then you've got to really want it. You've got to really believe in that vision and go the extra mile and then some to do it, be the very best at what you do, put in the 20-hour days if we believe what we read. Mm -hmm. So it's a powerful vision. We can argue about whether the culture is is right or not, but what it does is it's drawn all of the very best engineers mm. to want to be on that team and to get right behind that vision and rip up the rule book and make it happen. Yeah, and look what he's done with Tesla as well. I think he truly is an inspiring person. And I always say to people that the three words, the three main words in inspire a shared vision, you've got to think about each of them individually. Mm. So as a leader, have you actually got a vision? Is it clear? Is it robust? Is it future looking, as we said before? How good is it? Once you've got that, have you shared it with everyone? Does everyone know what it is? No good having a vision in a drawer. And finally, are you really inspirational about when you put it across? Are you passionate? Are you energetic? Are people inspired by your vision? So I think yeah. it's, a, it's a lovely, just those three words, 
look at them, think about your own vision as a business leader. Have you got it? Is it clear? Are you sharing it? Are you inspirational? Does it inspire you? Who's your player for this one, Ian? Well, I started with Jeff Bezos because I think, you know, the everything store. He started Amazon not to sell books online, but to sell a hell of a lot more. And boy, has he done that. So quite inspirational. Then I went to the obvious one in Churchill and thought, my God, you know, when uh, the, the darkest hour wasn't he inspirational in very difficult times. But, you know, I ended up with another big one, which is Martin Luther King. And I think partly because of all the noise at the moment about the three black players from England and, and the disfigurement of, of the mural of Marcus Rashford in Manchester. And it sickens me. And to think that Martin Luther King made these, these dream speeches back in 1963 when people from all over America, you know, went by bus and walked to go to Washington. And he made many dream speeches. And the one, of course, the famous one is that one day my four little children will live in a nation will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but the content of their character. That was 1963. And we're still trying to get there. And so in terms of a vision, wow, it's, it's so inspiring. It's so easy to understand. It's so hard to deliver. It's shared. It, it ticks all the boxes and hugely powerful. And, and you can go onto YouTube and you can hear his voice and his speeches were phenomenal. And anyone who hasn't gone on and listened to some of his speeches, you should do. Yeah, powerful. It is such a shame, isn't it, that the vision is shared, but it's still not shared mm. widely enough as we mm. see. Exactly. So, Ben, tell me a bit more about what Inspire Shared Vision actually means. What's underneath this? Well, Kuzis and Posner, what they said is that leaders can visualise the future. They get people to see how their own dreams can be realised through a common vision. Mm. And I think that's, that's so important that this is a big vision and it's a vision of where we're going as a as a group or a team or a business, whichever it might be, the vision also has to be one in which you and I individually and every person that's involved can see their own dreams mm. come true. And I'm sure I've spoken about this, this before, back in my most recent managing director role. This was a big part of, of how I led. I used to say that you know, as somebody was at final final interview, we knew they were good for the organization by this point. Mm. And I used to to talk with them and say, hey, well, the, the deal is this. If you come and work here, you'll make our dreams come true and we'll make your dreams come mm -hmm. true. Mm. And we'd have that conversation and we would work out what it meant for them in their role to make the company's dream come true. How were they going to take the vision forward take us a step closer and we'd also talk about how this job this role this period on their cv would be the very best period on their cv to date mm. and hence how this would make their dreams come true and i think that's an essential part of of the shared vision it's not just the big vision mm. it's can people see their own dreams coming true inside that vision can they align their vision to the big vision, if you like. Yeah, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got to have this 
this way of this coherence between your own set of values and the organization and you've got to be able to connect your own vision to the organization's vision and you've got to buy into the organization's purpose all right see on to challenge the process what Kuzis and Posner said here is that the work of leaders is change. The status quo is unacceptable. So who have you got for this? A British entrepreneur, probably one of the most famous, massively into R&D and creativity. And all the products he made are named after his surname. Oh, that'll be James Dyson then. It will be James Dyson. What an extraordinary man. So he's a huge inventor, as we know. He's tried so many things. You know, you can even look at Dyson tried an electric car. So they put their, their effort and their creativity into lots of things. They know they're not all going to work. They challenge the status quo constantly. They understand that things will fail. I can't remember how many times he put in a patent for the Dyson, the vacuum cleaner, before he got to the one that really worked and really sold. But it's, it's ridiculous the amount of versions <laughs> they had. So I think he really is a challenge the process guy. They've created their own Dyson Foundation. They've got people, they've now got a Dyson University to get the right kind of people through that and into their business. A, a real global player, some, someone that Britain can p feel very proud of. Always having ideas, always testing ideas. If we fail, we go again. It's one of those sorts of stories, isn't it? Oh, completely, completely. And he understands that, you know, failure, failure and success are, you know, close bedmates and you can't have one without the other. As you're talking about James Dyson there, you, you tweaked the wording. You didn't say that he challenges the process. You said he challenges the status quo. I, I did. Yeah, I did. I, I tripped over that one, didn't I? Well, I think it's, it, it's a nice stumble because challenge the status quo, for me, it works better. And we were saying last, last podcast that the world today is, is far less static than mm. it used to be, far less static than when this research was done. And organizations, yes, they're full of processes, but they're not rigid mm. anymore. They don't have fixed structures anymore they're a lot more fluid and there's plenty going on that isn't a process so i like challenge the status quo so before i tell you who who i've got yeah we should talk really quickly about how this is out there in the in the zeitgeist we can talk about dave brailsford and marginal gains and the the british cycling squad mm -hmm. We can talk about the 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 GB men's eight, the the rowing team winning at Eton Dorney in the the Olympics, when the Olympics were here, and their perpetual question: Will it make the boat go faster? Yeah. Both of them, both teams, had a philosophy of constantly challenging their process, challenging mm. their their status quo, and finding the the half a percent, the quarter mm. of a percent, the tenth of a percent mm. improvement mm. and building it in. And by doing that, constantly becoming stronger and becoming world class. That's part of this as well. So I went for uh, a great, very well-known British entrepreneur as well. Okay. 
Richard Branson. Richard Branson, newly into space. Newly into space. Yeah, two two days ago as we stand here uh, recording this, three or four weeks ago by the time our mm. listeners are, are listening to to this. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a good example. Richard's businesses are all about, and his brand is all about being an upstart and entering into an established industry, established markets and doing it differently, doing it in a way that champions the, the customer, being modern, being innovative, being inventive, charismatic about how they do stuff. And it's not always worked. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's probably failed at least as many times as it succeeded if we look at all the businesses Richard has started. However, he's he's for me one of the ultimate challenges. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you look at his career and how he's he challenges the industry. You know, mm. never mind the the internal workings of the people and everything else. He's a brilliant delegator as well, because one of the things about Richard, if you go back to where we started the podcast about being honest, he's honest about his flaws and he's dyslexic and he's useless pretty much with a P&L and he gets great people around him. So there's loads of things we could say about him and a great a great choice, I think. Well, I think what we might do to wrap up when we've done number five is maybe we'll look back to our list and see who's the candidate who who maybe ticks a number of these. Who's the best all-rounder? And I'd love to hear from people what they think their list is too. Yeah, send them in. Mm. All right, so number four, enable others to act. Yeah. Leaders foster collaboration and build spirited teams. They actively involve others. I mean, this is all about making that team around you really with a great capability, great capacity, making them feel capable and powerful, which is what they talk about, which, what have I chosen? Well, I started off thinking about Tony Shea of Zappos. And I I thought, hmm. I had a couple of question marks in there, although I love his story, I love his book, I love the fact uh, that he left Link Exchange and went off to try and create a culture he loved. Zappos, by any measure, w- w- is a huge success selling to Amazon. But I ended up, interestingly, in going to sport and going to a guy called Steve Hansen. Uh-huh. Now, now, Steve Hansen was the most successful coach of the All Blacks. Unbelievably, he had an 87% success rate for the All So almost nine out of 10 matches they won when he was in charge. And if you look at the All Blacks and, and read the book Legacy by James Kerr, you'll hear an awful lot about the, the culture of the All Blacks and about the fact that A, you know, egos in there and B, about this extraordinary development of all the people in that team about them all rising, about them all being leaders, about him enabling all of them to be the best they could possibly be as an all black. For me, he he wins my vote. Okay, Mm. Steve Hansen. And you know, when I think about this, the first thing that pops into my mind isn't a person, it's it's Mm. a business. I think of 3M, the Mm. Minnesota Mineral and Mining Company. Mm. 
And the reason I think of of 3M is that 3M has been a great customer of mine. And one of the things I used to do from time to time was read the annual reports, mm. keep myself tuned in, know what they were saying about themselves. And in the annual report, there was a, a headline that, that kind of stopped me in my tracks. And what it said was that in 3M, a third of their revenue would be generated by innovations that they had created during the most recent five years. Mm-hmm. I think it was that. It might have been a half in three years, or but I think it was a third in five years. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. I mean, their revenues are huge. Mm-hmm. They're going to renew a third of those revenues, like literally create from scratch a third of those that colossal revenue stream every five years and boy if they're going to do that they must really have a culture of innovation and enabling people to to act on those innovations and Mm. explore them and make them happen Mm -hmm. Mm. so you know I, i think of 3m but they don't quite qualify for what we're doing here so i need to i need to pick pick someone else. And actually, this is somebody who I've become aware of relatively recently. So I've just started reading uh, about him. The reason I know about him is I was talking about Kuzis and Posner with a leadership team, and they mentioned uh, this person. So Megan, this is your nomination. So thank you. The person is Simon Rogerson. And you may not know Simon Rogerson, but you do know his business because his business is, is Octopus. And Octopus right. is a group that includes Octopus Energy and and many others. Mm-hmm. Wow. He's a fairly young guy. He's about the same age as, as me, you know, fairly young. <laughs> the reason I've picked Simon for enabling others to act is in Octopus, he's created a real culture of of innovation. One of the ways he's done that, which really jumps out is a program called Springboard. Mm. What Springboard is, if you or I are working at Octopus and we have an idea, a good business idea, Mm. then Octopus will release us from our job. They will give us training and support and funding Mm -hmm. to go and create that business and try it out and make it happen. Wow. And if it works, off we go. This is how Octopus Energy was started, I believe. Mm-hmm. If it works, off we go. And there's a lovely new business. And if it doesn't work, if it fails, we can have our old job back. That's amazing. I love it. Inspiring. So Simon Rogerson, he gets my votes. Brilliant. So we're on to the last one. Yeah, bring us home. Well, encourage the heart. Do you know it's my favourite one? You're going first on this, by the way, so I'll just introduce it. It's my favourite one because I think it covers so much. Happiness, motivation, engagement, praise, all the things that positive psychology that's been talked about for a long time that's coming through. Kuzan Posa talks about it, it. Great leaders who do this well make people feel like heroes. It's such an important one, and... You know, when I was looking at the book the the other day, and like you, I began with with page thirty five and all of the the twenty traits 
that people look for to know that a leader is credible and the top four that we spoke about to be honest, forward-looking, competent and inspiring. Mm. And ah, caring should be on that list, shouldn't Mm. it? It Mm. it should be in the the top four, the top five, maybe it's top five now. But today, I mean, their research is, is 30 years old. At the time of the book, organizations were much more structured. They were much more command and control. We weren't that far beyond World War II. It was a different environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dial forward to now, Mm -hmm. and particularly the younger generations, I think they expect this of of leaders. They expect leaders to care. And so for that reason, I think Encourage the Heart is, is probably the most current of the five practices. Mm, mm, mm. So who did you have? Well, this is what's caught my attention this week, actually. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Good. And I'm pretty sure that I've not picked the same person as you. I think this is maybe an unusual choice. I've chosen Rishi Sunak. Oh, well done. Nice. And the reason I've I've chosen Rishi is that... I was listening to to a podcast. I was listening to the the 20 Minute VC, Harry Stebbings podcast. Good podcast, um, well worth listening to. Harry interviews venture capitalists and finds out about how they select their investments and all of these sorts of questions. So it's, it's really interesting. Each one is 20 minutes, so it's quite quick fire. An incredibly successful podcast. Mm. And so I was listening, Harry had Rishi Sunak on mm-hmm. the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Rishi's not a, a venture capitalist, he's a, he's a politician, and it's a, a break from the, the norm for, for the podcast. But a really interesting conversation. And Harry had got Rishi talking about what it takes to be a leader in politics, like mm. internally. How does he lead? How mm. does he lead his organization? It's such a different context to leading in a business. Yeah. And Rishi was talking about this and he was talking in the context of COVID and how during the pandemic, his department has created an incredible number of policies and rolled out an incredible number of policies very, very quickly. And so guaranteed, some are going to succeed uh, and some are going to fail. Yeah. And then he said, one thing that's that's really important with him and his team is that each one of them knows if they've been the owner of a policy, responsible for a policy, and the policy has failed or even backfired, they need to know he will be at the table with them, backing them up. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's, that's such a nice little characterization mm-hmm. of encouraging the heart, actually. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's lovely, isn't it? And it's nice to have a politician on there because I think probably most people wouldn't expect us to have a politician anywhere near that list. But well, we started with uh, Jacinda Ardern. Well, we did, actually, yeah. Uh, perhaps I was yeah. just thinking of British politicians. But, uh, yeah, no. So there's two on our list. That's quite something, isn't it? Where did I go? Well, do you know I found this the hardest one to choose? And I find it, as we said earlier, probably one of the most current ones. Why is it hard to choose? Because I think it's easier to see in the public eye people's vision. 
people challenging the process or the status quo, people helping others to improve, people modeling the way. I think all of those things are far easier to see, but, but actually trying to see somebody who encourages the heart, who cares, who looks at happiness and culture in detail. And I know people I work with, but finding somebody in the public eye I found really quite hard. So I ended up looking at people who are very visible. And of course, where did I go being a sports nut? I went to two sports coaches, either of which could have won the vote for me in this one. And one's Jurgen Klopp of Liverpool and one's Pep Guardiola of Manchester City. Both of them have got this lovely knack of being very good tactically, very smart, very clear on what they want to do, very high standards, but they're the first to give everyone a real cuddle after the game, to compliment their players on what they've just achieved, to bring teams together and create more than the sum of the parts. I think both of them are extraordinary people. And if you look at the people who play for them, they all seem to be really nice people as well. And I think, you know, you could say the same of, of, of Southgate again in England, but these two, I think for me, either of them would have won the vote on Encourage the Heart. I can go with that. And the reason this one is is so hard is this isn't about big, visible leadership. This mm. is about the small moments and their personal moments. Mm. And it's about, just as in your example, helping somebody to see that their simple contribution today mm. makes a difference. Mm. It's mm. not about hey, we've achieved what we've been striving for for the last nine months, those big achievements. Sure, we're going to celebrate those, mm. but that's celebrating our success as a, as a team or as a company. It's not encouraging the heart. Encouraging the heart, that comes in between, and it's the, the hard yards and the pat on the back and making sure that people understand that they've contributed just by doing mm. what they came to do. Mm. Not glamorous not glamorous at all. That's right. So, so Ian, of of all the leaders we've spoken about, mm-hmm. who for you is is the all rounder? Who for you does a good job of of covering uh, a number of these bases really well? It's a really hard one. I was I was going to pick Steve Hansen, but I don't think he actually on the surface models the way very much he hates the press he he always looks doer as the Scots <laughs> would say but all the others he ticks all the boxes hugely i wouldn't pick any of mine as five stars and all of these qualities which maybe says something about how hard it is and about the individual personality of the lead of leaders i i, I wouldn't give any of them five stars on each of these things i would say you know, you've got people here who are very good at some and less good at others. And that maybe takes me to, you know, where we were going to perhaps talk a bit more about the, the assessment tool and the, the number of number of questions under each of these, which, which show how you're doing as a leader, which is a kind of self-assessment, but also a 360 you can use. Because I think it's, whilst we should look at these and say, look, these five areas, these are what people want that they would willingly follow you need to be doing them you're not probably going to be five stars in all of them i like that about this model 
you can't nail all five all of the time. So there's always room for improvement. There's always something to to tweak up, to step mm. up. There's always a gap to close. Mm. I reckon, yes, some of that is is personality and character, and we've got natural uh, natural strengths, each one of us. Another part of it is where the organizational team is on its journey and what's needed right now and what is harder to do right now because of what's going on mm. around us. I like the model for that reason as well. Did you find one? Maybe Richard Branson is is somebody who, who ticks a lot of these, these boxes. And I know he's a bit of a controversial uh, figure, but model the way. Mm. I remember when one of the Virgin trains had that horrible derailment and crash he was on the news. It was one in the morning or something. He'd flown from wherever he'd been on on holiday and travelled and travelled and travelled to be on the scene. And he was walking through all of this dis- destruction, almost mm-hmm. in, in tears. You know, and that's that's one of the ways he models away. He's always where mm. where the action is, whether mm-hmm. it's terrible like that, or whether it's a, a product launch or mm. a launch of a new Virgin business. He's yeah. always there. He does inspire a, a shared vision, a charismatic vision. I picked him for challenge the process, as you said. He's good at enabling others to act. He's dyslexic and frequently says so and talks about how he relies on the people uh, around him. The story of many of his businesses is that somebody came to his flat and pitched an idea to him over a coffee and he Mm. he decided to back them. And I think he's quite encouraging. So, Mm. yeah, so so maybe he maybe Richard covers the ground pretty well. Yeah, I thought you were going to go with Jucinda for a minute, but yeah, I think I think Richard almost certainly. But as you, as as we said, probably the hardest one to know from the outside is the encourage the heart piece. But it's one of the most important ones of of the lot, as we've said. All right, we better wrap up. As you just said, there's there's a nice tool, Kuzis and Posner, for each of the five practices. They've identified six behaviours in the book. I'm sure it's on the web in a in a hundred places or you know email me email you we've got these handy and it's easy to simply take an inventory how many of the six behaviors that sit under model the way have I done as a leader during the last week yeah very yeah, simple. Yeah, make that the horizon, the last week, because that's pretty demanding. Do this with your leadership team as well. Do it as a team. Run through how many of these behaviours have we done in the last week, and that will give you a score for each of the five practices. It's a nice way to nice way to check in. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? It's absolutely lovely. We both love it. We both use it. Uh, recommend it highly to everyone else. Nice and simple. And it creates that clarity and alignment amongst your leadership team about what's their role as a leader. If you want to start somewhere grab this it's fantastic good stuff mission accomplished ian think so good where are we going next i think we we have an interview don't we we have an interview that's right ian it's martin moore who's written a new book he's an aussie his book is called no bullshit leadership it hits the bookshelves on the 31st of August, which is when our podcast hits the airway. So it's clearly a, a marriage made in, in heaven. That's where we're going next. And it fits really nicely with the uh, Gritty Leaders Club, I think. No bullshit leadership. Looking forward to it. Cheers, man. Bye.